0: Do you know Jesus, my Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Son of God? Have you seen his splendor or felt his favor, Jesus, the Son? Oh God oh sweet wonder oh sweet wonder Jesus the son of God oh sweet wonder Oh, sweet wonder, Jesus, the Son of God.
1: I'm remembering my grandmother today. That was one of her favorite songs. I honor God on today um, just for being the wonderful father that he is. For a son Jesus Christ, who I am eternally grateful for for my life, and the Holy Spirit, who just does so many great things for me on a daily basis, including having me stand here on today <laughs> I also honor my pastor on today for this opportunity. Somehow he believes God speaks to me, so I stand, I stand here. <laughs> To my associate pastor who encourages me all the time, Pastor Michelle, love you as well. All the fellow preachers and ministers that um, I work with in ministry. And all of you, my new community, family, and any other family and friends that are watching on today, I'm thankful for you for entrusting um, God's word through me during this time. Wherever you are, can um, you stand for the reading Of God's Word. And this is for your hearing on today. Coming from John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, the NIV version. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory In verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. God. Amen. Okay, so on today, I have no exegetical or homiletical ideas for you. So please forgive me, preachers, for omitting such important pieces of the sermon. I have no jokes or funny stories yet. I feel that today's sermon topic is on time for the time in which we live. Last week, Pastor David spoke about how grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, who took on flesh. He also said that grace and truth cannot be contained by knowledge. Lastly, our pastor said that when we know Jesus, we know grace and truth. We need a lot of grace for life's truth moments. Um, In Jesus, we see the perfect balance of grace and truth. In light of Pastor David's question, as you listen, I'm sorry, Pastor David asked us a question last week. He said, what would it look like? For us to grow in grace and truth. So now in light of Pastor David's question, as you listen to today's sermon, I would like for you to ask yourself, moving forward, how will I grow in grace and truth? Now we'll have a quick recap of the verses read, going back to verse 14. The word became flesh, meaning the word Jesus Christ. uh, All of the human or the normal human weaknesses, yet we saw his glory being reminded that he was fully human and fully divine at the same time. Jesus did things regular people don't do. (laughs) No, I'm not talking about him performing miracles. Moses, Elijah, and others did all kinds of miracles as well. It was not that Jesus sometimes knew what other people didn't know. That happened and still happens to God's servants. We call them prophets. You may have read in 2 Samuel that Nathan the prophet knew that David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. God told him those things were not our Lord's glory. But in Mark 2, there's a story of Jesus forgiving a man's sin. The petulant leaders say only God can do that. Jesus didn't argue. He let it stand. Moses asked God to forgive people, but Jesus did not have to ask God. He just forgave the man. That was his glory at work. Amen. So in Mark 4... Jesus slept in the boat, and a bad storm came in the night. Disciples were terrified and woke Jesus up. Jesus spoke to the waves, and he said, peace be still. And immediately, instantly, everything became calm. And the disciples looked at each other and said, who is this that tells creation what to do? And it obeys. They were afraid, as afraid of who was in the boat with them as they had been of the storm. They had just seen the glory of God. So again, when the leaders thought that Jesus had to ask God to forgive the man, they didn't realize or acknowledge who they were talking to. They didn't know who they were talking to. He didn't have to ask. He just went on ahead and forgave them. That's his glory. Glory. You know, we come up against a lot of storms and this and that, but we don't have the power to speak to it. And it immediately stops. That's some power that only Jesus could have. And in that, again, we see his glory. Jesus became flesh and he lived among us and we have seen his glory. That's the only explanation of the one and true son of God. He came from the Father, being full of grace and truth. Brent, can you put up the slide for me, please? Theologian J.C. Ryle eloquently writes of the grace and truth that came together in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This constant undivided union of two perfect natures and Christ's person is exactly that which gives infinite value to his mediation it qualifies him to be the very mediator that sinners need our mediator is one who can sympathize with us because he is very man and yet at the same time he is the one who can deal with the father for us on equal terms because he is very God. Looking at verse 15, John the Baptist testified concerning him saying, this is the one I told you about back there when I said, he who comes after me is ahead of me because he was before me. What does that actually mean? It means he who comes after me is ahead of me because he was before me. Those words don't mean any more than what is said, the one coming after me is older than me. No, that's not the case because we know that John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus, but Jesus was since because Jesus is God and God existed before the foundation of the world and all of its inhabitants because he is the creator of it all. The sermon will focus mainly on verses 16 and 17. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace. In place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We all live off his generous abundance. Gift after gift after gift. Grace is a gift. And again with verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That was the first gracious gift of God, the law that was given through Moses. But now in Christ, in exchange for the law, in place of the law, we now have grace and truth in Christ. For John, as for Jesus and Paul in the New Testament, generally, the Old Testament law of Moses was a gift, a generous kindness of God. Part of the problem is the difference between the English word law and the Hebrew word Torah. The Torah is known as the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, or the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. Torah and Hebrew mean something much closer to guidance and instruction or teaching than how we understand law. God teaches his people how to live. We don't know what to do. That's the reason for the book we call the Holy Bible. We, I included, I first in line, may think we know the right ways to live. We really don't know the right ways to live, so God taught us and continues to teach us through his word and his messengers. So the first grace, the first generous kindness of God was the Torah, which we got from Moses. But now in place of that grace and truth, pour out from Jesus Christ. Out of his fullness, we all have received God's generous kindness. And it is much better than the Torah that Moses had. John, the writer, likes truth. What other New Testament writers call the faith, John calls the truth. There was so much darkness and deception around then as it is now. And as for John, not only does Jesus tell the truth, Jesus Christ is the truth. As we look at values that guide our church, we need to be grace people and truth people. Why do you say that, Marquita? I'm glad you asked. When it comes to grace and truth, we need to be both and not half grace and half truth, not grace on Mondays and truth on Tuesdays, spending the first half of your Wednesday thinking of grace and the second half of your we- on Wednesday centering on truth. All grace and all truth all the time. I guess I'm emulating Pastor Michelle a little bit, giving a word with a healthy dose of conviction. Dennis, did I get it right? Tell me in the chat if I, I said that right, okay? Grace is what the truth of our sin Deserves. As we see ourselves for who we really are and know that our salvation cannot be earned, then we start to see God for who He really is. And as I always encourage you to do on Sundays, the best response to this grace that we have received is to worship. Yeah, yeah. Truth is not just defined as the facts of God's word. Yes, the truth is laid out for us in the Bible. However, it is not something we must make ourselves do. Let me explain. Truth changes us. It challenges us. It convicts us. Once we have been saved by the one who is the truth, it truly makes us free. And when you're free, you willfully live out your faith, your heart's desire, what you believe. Truth helps us to know that all the false things that have woven into our nature, they cause us to sin. They're false. That's not the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the source of all truth. He shows us the truth. He is the model of truth. Now, let me explain why having grace or truth is not an option. By our personalities and our upbringings and a whole bunch of other factors, most of us lean in one direction or the other. Grace people are pleasant, They don't ruffle any feathers. They cut us a lot of slack. They're easygoing. They accept us for who we are. They don't make demands. They are always welcoming. But without truth, grace isn't really grace. It's just being accepting and nice. But affirmation and being grace-filled are not the same thing. Grace people without truth are great to be around, but we can wonder if they really like us or if they are just trying to be liked. They are tolerant, but they often do not acknowledge the difference between right and wrong, or they don't care to line up one way or the other. Sometimes grace people can be cowardly. They often refuse to make tough decisions in life. They demand nothing from others and get nothing in return. They accept us for who we are again, but they never help us become who we should be. If we are not careful, another form of being a grace person is being a people pleaser. I was one of those. In the end, that can be no good for all involved. And then there are truth people. Truth people are easy to admire. They have convictions and principles. They believe in right and wrong. They set standards. They speak out against injustice, oppression, and evil. They are articulate and well-spoken, but without grace. Telling the truth can be an excuse for belligerence. Truth people without grace are loyal to the cause, but... We may wonder if they are really loyal to us. They want to change us and make us better, but they don't allow for mistakes. They are quick to cast judgment on others. They make difficult decisions, but they also make life difficult for others and for themselves. They can be slow to forgive. They inspire us with their courage, but turn us off with their intimidation. I was that person as well. If you are a grace person, you are most concerned with being loved. If you are a truth person, you are most concerned with being right, even if it means you'll be unloved. (laughs) Both have their dangers. Something is wrong if everyone hates you, but probably something is wrong if everyone loves you. (laughs) Now, (laughs) Jesus was all grace. He welcomed sinners and tax collectors and ate with them. He had compassion on the crowds when they were hungry and far from home. He welcomed the little children to come and sit with him, being gentler and kinder than any department store Santa. He healed the lepers, the lame, and the blind. He saved the criminal on the cross, who in his dying breath confessed that the man dying next to him was truly the Son of God. This was all truth. He condemned many of the religious leaders of his day for being liars and hypocrites. He talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. He called all those who would be his disciples to take up their cross daily and follow him. He prophesied judgment on Jerusalem for their unrepentant hearts. He obeyed the laws, set standards, and demanded everything from his followers, even their very lives. Now, this is something I want you to remember today. If we fail to be gracious or if we fail to speak the truth, we fail to be like Jesus. Jesus came from the Father, full of grace and truth. All grace, all truth, all the time. But he didn't simply come to give us an example of grace and truth. He came to save us in grace and truth. It's only after we've been saved and made right with God that God is saying to us, all right, now that you have been saved through Jesus, you need to know that I have saved you to look like Jesus. This motivation to be full of grace and truth is not because we need to earn God's favor we have that already. It is because being a follower of Jesus Christ means that we look like the one we follow. We desperately need grace in our lives from Jesus. Be all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need to know that God doesn't expect us to clean up our acts before we come to him. He implores us to come now, today just as we are in brokenness, in pain, in humility, in repentance, and in faith. We need to hear that wayward children who have squandered their inheritance and lived an immoral, rebellious life can come home into the arms of their Heavenly Father. And we desperately need truth in our lives as well. We need to hear from Jesus. The truth will set you free. And we need to hear from Jesus what this saying really means. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We need someone as gracious as Jesus to tell us the truth. That you are not okay on your own. We do not need to push away our feelings of guilt that sometimes weigh us down because of sin. And anyone who tells us otherwise is not telling us the truth. And because they won't tell us the truth, we won't experience the grace that comes with it, the grace that we need. We need the truth. We need grace. We need Jesus. Only Jesus Christ lives in perfect grace and
0: perfect truth.
1: Only Jesus Christ can save hard-hearted, hard-headed sinners like me, full of lies and deserving judgment. Amen? Amen. If I may, let me detour for a moment and talk about how it has been difficult for me to fully live in and balance grace and truth in this pandemic season overshadowed with the abhorrence of injustice and dehumanization of beautiful people whose skin color seems to equate annihilation or execution the trauma that is caused by hearing the news and watching the videos that Ended the lives of eight people, six of them being women of Asian descent. George Floyd and Dante Wright, black men of the greater Minneapolis era, area. Adam Toledo, a teenage Latino boy from right here in Chicago, and the list goes on and on. This endless list of others is weighty, earth shattering and overwhelming, to say the least. In my humanity, I am far from acknowledging grace, and my personal tipping scale's balance is upset because the truth of this despicable reality is all I can see right now. As I repent daily, I am pleading with God to help me desire to extend grace in these instances, reminding me of my own daily need for grace helps me as I struggle to not be callous. I need to have a balance between grace and truth. We need to have a balance between grace and truth. If we fail to have both, we fail to be like Jesus. And that's what we have committed to as Christians, to be Christ-like. I know this is something you may not want to hear right now. That is understandable, but it is the truth spoken to you today with grace. We can often struggle to balance grace and truth together as if they might be contrary to each other. But let's remember Jesus functions in grace and truth simultaneously and perfectly. We may think that all we have to do is study scripture and we will become more like Christ, which is true, but some Christians love studying the word of truth and in the process inadvertently to judge and even slower to forgive. They are strong in truth, but weak on grace. There are other Christians who are so grace-focused and lean heavily into freedom and forgiveness. They will see too much Bible study and moral standards as legalism. They are heavy on grace and lack truth. If we have truth without grace, the result is often self-righteous legalism that pushes people away from Christ. If we have grace without truth, more is causing people to think they don't need Christ. Let's look at Jesus as our example for the perfect balance of grace and truth. When people encountered Jesus, they got a sense that he loved them, even when he told them things that were difficult to hear. Again, he was full of grace and truth. Living a godly life focuses on what we need to embrace and not what we need to avoid. We must be careful to not be so focused on the do's and don'ts that we miss Jesus. Change behavior that is not empowered by God's heart-changing grace is simply self-righteousness. Remember, Pastor Davis told us there is nothing we can do to save, fix, or rescue ourselves or anyone else. It's not our responsibility for righteousness, less room for self-righteousness. When we do this, we'll be aware of his glory that is in our midst. When we understand truth accurately, it acts as a corrective guardian to protect us, not as a manipulative tool to impose retribution. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Truth is not a set of facts. It's um, not just a set of facts. It is not something that we do. Truth acts upon us. Truth changes us. God writes his truth. On our hearts. We need to be walking in truth, to love truth, and to believe truth. Jesus is the truth, He personifies the truth. Those of us who are like me, we love to speak truth to power. That's good. We shouldn't stop doing that. We also need to continuously speak truth to ourselves. I am not speaking of the truth that is always uplifting or inspiring. I am speaking of the truth that can be heart piercing, but life giving. If we think about it, hearing the truth about ourselves from ourselves is the ultimate measure of walking in truth. The older I get, the more I'm able to do this. And I am growing to love it because I desire to live as the best representation of myself as a woman, as a black person, and definitely as a Christian. There is only one thing we must do before we enjoy God's grace. We must be broken and know we are broken. We can think we have failed God so many times that he will no longer That's a lie. We don't believe we are worthy of God's grace. And we may not be worthy, but it's here in abundance. Grace means that Jesus paid our debt and there is nothing left for us to do but accept his grace. Someone hearing this may need to accept right now. That you are broken. Are you ready to receive his grace? And walk into the protection of his truth? It is here for you today. It is here for you right now. I read somewhere that grace is the opposite of karma. Which is all about getting what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely, the peace of God given to the restless, and the unmerited favor of God given to the unworthy. As I conclude the sermon, I would like to share a great example of Jesus' extraordinary balance of grace and truth. How Jesus dealt with the woman caught in the act of adultery recorded in John 8. The Pharisees, who were truth people, demanded the woman be judged and punished. After all, that's what the law required. Undoubtedly, some merciful bystanders wanted Jesus to overlook the poor girl's mistake and let her go. After all, we all have sinned and come short or fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus was full of grace and truth. He made the accusers confront their own failures by suggesting he who was without sin cast the first stone. When they all left, he asked the woman, is there no one to condemn you? Relieved that Jesus had rescued her, she whispered, no one, Lord. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus assured her. Go now and leave your life of sin. Notice here how Jesus extended both grace, no condemnation, and truth, telling the woman to go live your life and stop sinning. He extended both to the woman in one instance. It seems to me in this stormy and divisive time, we need more Christ followers who will make an effort to be full of grace and truth. It is easy to spot people 100% on one side or the other, but rarely do we see a healthy balance. One of the reasons it's so rare is the balanced person is often attacked from both sides for refusing to be as rabid as those on the extreme. But with God, all things are possible. Let's continue to ask ourselves, moving forward, how will I grow in grace and truth? My prayer is as we cultivate new creation at New Community Covenant Church, that the grace and truth we encountered will be lived out daily towards others and valued as essential as the face mask and hand sanitizer that are now a vital part of our lives. It takes practice, not perfection. We can do it. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day, for this space, for this time. God, thank you for your wonderful son that's so full of He's so kind to us, but with a kind hand, he also has a convicting hand, which is all just to bring us closer to him, to love us more, so that we can be better not only for ourselves, but for the world in which we live. God, thank you that even though we may be not in balance or in sync with what you would have, um, for us as far as it comes to grace and truth and how to live it out and what we presently um, display. But God, we know that um, from these two sermons, you have given us enough to kind of look at ourselves and to move forward and to know that we individually and as a body of, of Christ, we must grow in your grace and we must grow in your truth. We thank you Thank you for giving us this. Thank you for convicting us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for bringing something new out to us today through your word. We're thankful for this church. We're thankful for our leaders. We're thankful for you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.